Verses uh, 14, 15, and 16 says, But Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. That's the Living Bible. Verse 15 For we have no superhuman high priest. J.B. Phillips translation says, we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all. There's nothing that you have gone through. There's nothing that you will go through that Jesus has not been through. Tempted in every way just as we are currently now are tested and tempted. Yet he did not sin, the NIV version says. Finally, the King James Version says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject uh, successful grace successful grace and for some of you this might be a little bit of uh, review but someone once said that repetition is the art of learning and we had a prophetic word a while ago that this is going to be a season of tremendous grace and favor that God is going to bestow on our lives. There's just some wonderful things God is doing and is about to do. And for those of you who have seen God do some wonderful things in this past season, whether it's new jobs or new homes or seeing loved ones give their lives to Christ or just amazing opportunities, as good as it is, is not as good as it's going to get. And it's imperative that I really believe that God is using this season in our lives to prepare us for how we're to respond to this season of tremendous grace so that we handle the grace of God properly so that God's purpose might be accomplished. Can you say amen? And there's something I said last week that I really want to make sure that that you and I understand of of what God needs and is looking to us for. Jesus said these words in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, "Um, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bring forth much fruit. 
much results. But he said these words, without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. I, I was, I've read a book and was listening to a book by uh, Stephen Covey. Some of you know it. The book is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he said something that struck me that really resonate, resonated with me and stuck with me. And he said that uh, we're, to, we're not to live lives that are independent. We're not, live to, we're not to live lives that are dependent. We are to live lives that are interdependent. Are you with me so far? Interdependent. Because an independent life, and the, 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 the word last week we talked about the fact that God gives more grace according to uh, James chapter 4, verses 6 to 10, it says God gives more grace to the humble. And one of the definitions of the word humble is to destroy one's independence. God wants to destroy our attempt to try to live independent of him. Independent, a person who lives independent basically says, I will. A person who lives dependent says, you will. But the person who lives interdependent says, we will. Are you with me so far? And so what happens many times is that the original sin of man was basically to try to divorce himself from being attached to God and so the original sin, the very first sin, which was not so much Adam and Eve, but the devil, Lucifer, he was the archangel. He was, he was one of the highest angels in heaven. And his job was to lead people into the, lead uh, creation into the presence of God, to glorify God. Every person, everything was created to glorify God, to bring glory to God. Are you with me so far? And so Lucifer decided that he was tired of giving God the credit. And so in the book of Isaiah, I think it's chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, five times he says, I will. I will exalt myself above God. And after a while, God threw him out of heaven but my point is, is that the original sin was a declaration of independence, meaning, God, I don't need you. Then he convinces Eve to also create that sin by eating the fruit. He says, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So basically, eat this fruit and you no longer have to depend upon God. So she eats the fruit, and man becomes separated from God and discovered that his independence from God got him into a whole lot of mess. Are you with me so far? So we find that there's something in us that always 
is saying to God, I want my independence from you. And what usually happens is that because when we're independent from God, uh, there is no life. When, there's in, when we're independent from God, nothing happens. So, for example, I want to show you, I have this cell phone here. And right now, I think this is the on button on top here. And no matter how much I turn on the on button, okay, nothing is happening. And the reason why there is nothing's happening with the cell phone, I'm pressing and pressing and pressing uh, the cell phone, but nothing is happening. Now, let me ask you a few questions. Help me out here. Tell me, what can a cell phone do? Uh, if this is a smartphone, tell me one thing it can do. It can call people. What else can it do? Check the weather. Check the weather. What else? Look up information. What else can it do? Text. Text. What else can it do? Stream videos. Stream videos. What else can it do? Play music. I mean, this, this, this can do a whole lot of things. It's wonderful. When I was, I was in Romania and in Barbados and was able to face, talk to people face to face. There's a lot that this phone can do, but when there is no power, it can do nothing. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> nothing. So as independent as this phone seems to be, nothing is happening. And that's why we need God. Now, if I took this cell phone, and as you could see, this is a power outlet, which means that this power outlet should be able to recharge this phone. Correct? Yes. Correct? Yes. Correct? Yes. This is not a deep question. <laughs> Do you believe that that outlet should be able to charge phone? Correct. Okay, everybody agree? Okay. How many agree it should recharge the phone? Okay, this is not a deep question. Okay, so. So after a while when I leave, when, no, it should be recharged and working, right? No? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You, you just said that as long as I attach it to the power cord, it will work. It will Get the phone working, but now you're saying no. Why not? Wait a minute. Let's try this again. You said this is the power cord. It's plugged in. It should be able to charge up. Y'all are making faces. No, it won't. What's the problem? It needs to, it needs a power. It needs to be what? Connected. And now, or let's put it this way. This is this is something you're gonna. It needs. An intercessor. So Jesus sits at the right hand of God. He's plugged into God, but he can also plug into you. And so as you stay in God's presence, I think this is on, yep. Hope this is on. Yep. Yep. So as we stay in his presence, 
as we come boldly to the throne of grace, where Jesus is making intercession, something's going to happen. Are you with me so far? And, and so the point is, is that we are to live lives not independent of God. Are you with me? But we're not supposed to live lives, now this is deep, dependent on God. Independent of God says, I will do it. Dependent on God says, you will do it and I'll just sit and watch. That's what happened in Numbers 13. God told them to go into the promised land. And they said there are giants there and their attitude was, God, you handle the giants, you do all the work, and then we'll just come in and enjoy the blessings. And that's why some of you are frustrated with God is because you're saying, God, I'm depending on you to do something. And God is saying, that's not how I created you to live. I am, I am not doing all the work. I could, but that's not what I created you for. Mm. Mm. <laughs> some of you are mad at God, waiting for God to do something. God is saying, I'm waiting for you to do something. He doesn't want us to live independent that says, you do it, God. Oh, sorry, I will do it. He doesn't want us to live dependent, meaning you do all the work, God. God called us to live interdependent, meaning we will do it together. You would say, well, prove it to me in the scriptures. God says, read it for yourself. Exodus chapter 3 he says, Moses, yes, I have heard my people's cry. Gotcha, Lord. And I am coming down, yep, to deliver them, yes. And I am sending you. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You heard their cry. God's attitude is basically, no, we're going to do this together. Hmm. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Verses 8 in the NIV, and you've heard this many times, says, by, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. This grace is the gift of God. Verse 9 and 10, Message Bible we don't play the major role, but we do play a role. Mm. If we played the major role, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. No, God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us as his masterpiece by Christ Jesus, watch this, to join him in the work he does. The work he has already gotten ready for us to do, the work we had better be doing. Mark chapter 16, verse 20, one of the last uh, uh, commands that Jesus that the Bible speaks of before Jesus 
uh, goes into uh, glory, it says that the that where the apostles went, the Bible says, you can read it for yourself in Mark 16, verse 20, it says, God went working with them. God wants to work with us. I'm encouraging you because some of you are waiting for God to do all the work, and God is saying, I need you to work with me. We will do this thing together. Mm. Help me quote you probably don't know where it is, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where it is and we'll quote together. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, let your light. Whose light? Whose light? Your light. Shine before what? That they may see. Who's, whose works? Your good works, but give the glory You have got to get this in your spirit that God is not going to work independent of us. And for some of you, this is the word of the Lord. You're waiting for God and God is saying, I'm waiting for you. Faith, James chapter 2, without works is dead. Hmm. I want to talk to you about three kinds of grace. I'm only going to talk about one right now. There's three kinds of grace. And all of them are to operate in our lives. And many of you have heard me say this before. There is successful grace. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Successful grace. Successful grace. We, that's when God gives me favor. So when... When, when we see the favor of God on somebody's life, that is successful grace. Number two, there is sustaining grace. Sustaining grace. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. I'll talk about that next week. That is when God makes me a fighter. It, 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 is, it is a grace that causes me not to throw in the towel when I should have. And then there is splendorous grace. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 that is a great that is when God makes himself famous there is successful grace which is favor there is sustaining grace where there's a fight in me that won't quit and then there's splendorous grace when God wants to do something in my life that will make him famous that will cause the world to their jaw to drop and say there must be a God. So I want to talk to you briefly, very briefly really, about successful grace. We call it favor. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10, Paul says, I am who I am by the grace of God. And he goes on to say that it was this grace that caused me to do even more than all of the other apostles. In other words, he said, the reason why I was able to write half the New Testament, the reason why I was able to do all that I can do is nothing but the grace of God. And, and this, this sermon is very important because many of you have favor on your life and you don't even know it. 
I really believe that's why the Bible says you obtain grace, but you find favor. Because some of you don't even know you have favor on your life that God really is saying to you, you tell me what you want done and I'll do it. I had to remind one of my daughters that the Lord prophesied that you have a blank check. So start a writing. I know it doesn't feel like you have favor, but you do. The word favor means preferential treatment. And we talked about this last week, preferential treatment, meaning that you were just chosen. It is, you know, I was, we were flying back from our vacation on last night, and we didn't get the preferential treatment, but the point is, is that sometimes you're sitting in, you know, an economy, and all of a sudden, they just choose you to sit in first class. That, that's just favor. You didn't pay for it. You, they just chose you. Praise the Lord. Preferential treatment. The word prefer comes from two Latin words, pri, which means before, and pharaoh, which means three things, set in motion, to receive, and to win. Set in motion, to receive, and to win. Tell the person next to you, you have favor. God, where you're heading, where you're heading, God is already at work. God does not wait for you to, God does not wait for you to arrive to set your table. That was a good one. When you arrive, the table is already set. Mm. In fact, God wants to God wants to show off because not only does he set the table, he sets it in the presence of your enemies. You better give that to me. You better give that to me. The reason why you have so many haters is because God is about to show off so much that all your, all your enemies can do is watch you consume the blessing and watch what the Lord has done because the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he doesn't add sorrow with it. So I know it may be getting the more hell that is breaking out in your the more hell that is breaking out in your life let me listen to the you need to write this down the more hell that's breaking out in your life the more God wants to show off he has set things in motion before you get there you have already won you have already received the blessing. You're just walking out in time what God has already done. Mm. 
Mm, what God has already done. Oh, what God has already done. Let me let me give you an example. Oh my goodness. This building that we're in, God set in motion that we were to get this building before we even arrived. And God is so bad that I want to run around the church, but I, I need to finish this. God is so amazing that not only did he set in motion for us to get it, this church, but he even put it in the city's official records. How he blessed us. You know God is bad when he records it in the city records, how he blessed you. I'll say that again. Because I'm going to read it for you. And then you need to, you need to shout or do something. He, he said, I'm not going to bless you in a quiet way. I'm not going to bless you according to someone's tale. I am going to put it in the historical documents. 27 pages of how I blessed you. Let me read it for you. Let me read it for you. Let me read it for you. This is, this is in the documents of the city. In August 2012, we bought this church in August 2013. In August 2012, the 56 Magazine Street property was attracting proposals from many developers interested in converting the building into residential use. Can you put up the next picture? Hope that picture's there, okay? This is what was supposed to happen to this building. That building is not a church. That is condos to remind you that it was once a church. That building, in fact, some of you drive by that building every Sunday and didn't even know that that was once a church. That building is on Harvard Street. If you drive down Prospect Street, take a left on Harvard Street, between Prospect Street and Harvard Square, on the right-hand side, you'll see that building. Some of you who take the bus over the Mass Ave Bridge, as soon as you get over that bridge heading towards Boston, on the left-hand side, there's another church that's now a condo. I can name at least five in this area that were right around the corner. I believe it used to be Sacred Heart on Pearl Street. That used to be a church. Now it's a condo with underground parking. So they were ready to turn this church into a condo. But God, listen to this. This is in the record. Advocacy from the Cambridge Port neighbors. Not believers. The neighbors in the organization of the 56 Magazine Street Preservation Trust opposed a residential conversion and helped 
to discourage the developers from purchasing the property. the same time that the residents of this neighborhood was fighting it was even in it was even in the newspaper was fighting developers to keep this place a church at about the same time Pentecostal Tabernacle came forward in other words God said I want you to have this building, but I'm going to set some things in motion. I'm going to keep the devil back long enough for you to get what I already have for you. What, ha what God has for you is for you. It's already set in motion. You have no idea who is fighting for your blessing. I said you have no idea. Who's fighting for your blessing? Angels are doing warfare, saying, don't buy this house. This house belongs to a child of God. Don't apply to this school. This spot is saved for my child. Preferential treatment. And if you knew that God was already setting your blessing in motion, you would praise him right now. God is just showing off. He wants it in the historical documents that Pentecostal Tabernacle didn't get this building. I used unbelievers to fight to keep this a church just so that you would have time to get in this place. God is setting in motion. Before you even arrive, the things you're supposed to receive, the things you're supposed to win, the things that belong to you for his kingdom purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so the question is, last point question is, what has God already set in motion for you to receive and when before the day of your arrival? That's why you got to stay in the presence of God. Got to stay in the presence of God. Ooh, isn't it interesting? Oh, see? Got to stay in the presence of God. Now there's something happening. Before there was nothing happening. But now there's something happening. See, you got to stay in the presence of God. I need him. I need him. I come to the throne of grace where I retain mercy and I connect myself with Jesus. And I'm telling you folks, in this year of harvest, in this year of harvest, God is already at work behind the scenes. That's favor. Now I got good news for you because there's some of you here 
you messed up your favor. Let me say that again. Some of you, you messed up your favor. God gave you preferential treatment and you messed it up. I got good news for you. That's where mercy comes in. <laughs> that, that, that's where mercy comes in. See, see, now I, I, I now keep this with me. Remember I shared with you the definition of mercy. I'm finished here. The definition of mercy is uh, bounty or bountiful. So I have this paper towel here, laminated, and it reminds me, God, I need mercy. I need you every once in a while to clean up my mess. But you got to humble yourself when you made a mess. And some of you blaming everybody else for your mess when you made the mess. You need to humble yourself. And God will exalt you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I mean, Lord, we could spend a whole lot of time talking what, about what favor is, but Lord, really, in a nutshell, you are already putting things in place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are an amazing God. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Can we just spend just 30 seconds worshiping Him? Come on, let's just worship Him. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. I feel the Lord is about to show some favor to somebody in this room. But He wants you to fix your heart and fix your attitude because you're mad at God. You're upset at God. You're frustrated. And God is saying, I, I need you to rejoice. I, I need you, like Paul said in, in the book of Thessalonians, in, in everything, give thanks. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. For 15 seconds, could you just give him praise right now? 15 seconds. Then I'm going to share something and then give him the other 15 seconds. Come on, let's just praise him right now. <laughs> let's praise him right now. 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 set in motion. The table is already being set for you. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Bless your name. Pause for a moment. I really want to encourage you. Just, just for a moment. Just for a moment. I was talking to uh, a couple that recently got a house and they were sharing with me how the Lord closed the door on a deal that they thought they had but come to find out that God had something 
that was so much bigger and so much greater that they're still shaking their heads. See, sometimes, sometimes God closes a door because he says, this isn't big enough to give me glory. Sometimes God says, if I let you do this, people look at you and say, you're smart, you can pull this off. But I need to do something that when it gets done, people will have to say, that was God. My, my daughter, uh, Vanessa, she and a few others, Kofor and Deidre, they live in an apartment and they rented this apartment and 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 like, I don't know, six months, six or eight months, it was the, 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 the house was sold. And, and I was mad. And the Lord said, don't you think I knew the house was going to be sold? And I was like, okay, God, yeah, you knew. And God's like, I already got stuff set in motion. And the word that God dropped in my heart is found in, I think it's Isaiah 26, the word Rehoboth. The word Rehoboth means the Lord makes room for you. Long story short, they got a better apartment. Not one bathroom, but two bathrooms. And they're just like, this is amazing. But the point is, is that God's like, I got you. And, and, and some of you, you're mad because maybe you lost a job. And God's like, that's because I got a better job for you. And you wouldn't leave that sorry job, so I had to kick you out of it. And some of you may say, well, it's been three or four years, God. Where's the job? And God says, yeah, but it's been three or four years that I kept you. You still had food, still went on vacation, still went on vacation, <laughs> still, still went out to eat, still buying clothes. How you doing it? You better praise him. You better, you better praise him. I remember, I remember preaching about the grace of God at the, to these, uh, I was training these deacons at another church, like a Baptist church. And all of a sudden, this woman started crying hysterically. I mean, crying hysterically. And it dawned on her, she had lost her job for a year. And during that year, she went on the best vacation she ever went on in her life. It was like God was saying, I want to do something in your life that nobody will get the credit but me. So if you really believe that God is setting you up for a blessing, if you really believe that things are set in motion already, I know it looks dark, but the darker it is, is because God wants to let his light shine, his glorious light. If you believe that, could you just for the other 15 seconds give God praise for what he is already doing the battle is not yours it's the Lord favor is on your life
the preferential treatment for his kingdom purposes. But God needs us to work with him. My praise is working with you, God. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. My worship is worshiping you. My worship is working with you. something in this room do you sense something in this room God is about to do something oh glory to God mm, mm, mm. I wasn't going to do this sit down for a moment but I want to speak this is a prophetic word to some of you Matthew I need you to, I need to, borrow, I need to borrow you mm, mm, mm. my God my God I need to borrow you just, just, just turn, turn your back to the audience Those of you who understand football, understand that there are people in the game that their only job is to receive. Remember, I said preferential treatment is to receive before. So Matthew is a receiver. He is the Randy Moss who doesn't play anymore. He's the Julio Jones. He's the I mean, he's the Gronk. He is a receiver. Are you with me so far? And this is what I mean by receive before. I am the defender. Are you with me? My job is to keep him from receiving. Are you with me? Now the thing is, is that I don't know what pattern he's going to take. Are you with me so far? And so there's two things that I can do. I can just stand back and watch to see where he's going to turn. Are you with me? Or I can play what they call bump and run coverage, meaning that I am on him because I don't know where he's going to receive his blessing. Are you with me? So I stay on him. I grab him. I do whatever I can to stop him from receiving the ball. Are you with me so far? And so what happens many times is that he's going to come and he stops there. Are you with me so far? And see, the, the, the quarterback knows that I... Mm, 
<laughs> the quarterback knows I can't throw the ball to him because he's covered. So what I have to do, rather than throw the ball to him, this is why some of you are so discouraged. I can't throw the ball to him. I got to throw the ball to the spot where he'll be. So before he breaks, the ball is already in the air expecting that by the time he gets to the spot he's supposed to be, all he has to do is what? Look up. Some of you, God is just waiting for you to get to the spot where you're supposed to be. Some of you, that spot is on your knees. Some of you, that spot is fasting. Some of you, that spot is praising God. I don't know what your spot is, but if you would get to the spot, all you have to do is look up, and what God has for you will be there. If there's anybody who's a wide receiver in this room, why don't you get up and stretch your hands before the Lord and bless him right now? Because something is about to happen. You need to get to your spot. Get to your spot. Get to your spot. Sometimes the spot is your attitude. You've been angry. You've been frustrated. Get to the place of joy. Get to the place of peace. Stop worrying. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. And fill your mouth with praise. Fill your mouth with gratitude. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, forgive us for complaining and murmuring and bickering, saying, why don't you just give me the blessing? And you're saying, I need you to get to a spot. I need you to get to a spot of humility. I need you to get to the spot of depending and walking with me, being interdependent. I need you to get to a spot in your faith. I need you to get to the right church. I need you to get to the right place. Because once you get to that spot, all you have to do is look up. 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 And receive what I have for you.